I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where three total idiots try to educate you on things you should already know, or which, if you're smarter than us, you already do know. I'm your host woman, heatwave denier Hannah Varrell. My beads of sweat currently have sweat on them. With me is clammy lump of meat, Alexandra Haddo. I have a solero in my knickers. And sexy, sultry summer lover, Carolina Donahue. I have no aircon in my flat, so I've shaved my head. I look like Britney Spears in 2007. You look great, babe. Thank you. Well, aren't we a BO-ridden gaggle of filth? This week we're asking why women get chips so they don't have a baby, why Yoko Ono exists, and why your body does the most unhelpful thing ever when you're worried. Let's get on with the show. Hannah, did you stay in bed today for peace or because you're a lazy sack of shit? Please explain. Uh, it's art, Caroline. Oh, the it's art of peace. Art, I've actually been in my bed for 10 days. My God. Mm, very impressive. Yeah, today I am investigating Yoko Ono. Oh, is because... that when you've got one egg? <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting on that joke for 15 seconds. I came out so quickly, you were, you were like, I'm going to keep this in the back pocket all day. Is that when you've got one egg? I love it. I love you. Thank you. Keep living your truth. (laughs) Yeah, so Yoko Ono, she's kind of one of these people who I know the vague story behind her, but Mm -hmm. I've never really questioned how much of that is true and how much of it is just received from, like, pop culture and stuff. Because really all I know about her is she went out with John Lennon, she's an artist, she's now fantastic on Twitter, um, and she supposedly broke up the Beatles. Mm. Yeah, very much what I know about her also. Same. Her tweets make me laugh so much, but not in the way that she intends them because they're just always so fucking useless and abstract. She's very sincere, isn't she? She's woke Cher, isn't she? Like she is what Cher is on Twitter, just full of mad diva bullshit, but also with a layer of political wokeness on top of it and And it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, like Japanese cool. Uh, My favourite one the other day was um, (laughs) she tweeted saying... um, the winner of the World Cup will be the child who believes in a peaceful world. <laughs> and the first response underneath it, which had like 20,000 retweets itself, was, come on, Yoko. <laughs> it's coming home, Yoko. Yeah. It's coming home. So Yoko Ono, um, she was born in 1933, ages ago. Oh my God, she's so old. She's wow. She looks great. She's, she's 85. 80, yeah. Compare like how she looks to how Paul McCartney looks. Like I know. that whole thing about like men aging better than women, clearly not true. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, so she kind of spent a lot of her childhood between the US and Japan because of her dad's work. Um, she what was, was her dad's work? I think he was like a banker or something. You know, nothing, uh, nothing Burning. too interesting. And she was in Tokyo when it got bombed during World War Two and had to like hide out. All her family's possessions and like house was destroyed and the family had to like flee to the mountains just bringing a few possessions with them which they then had to like barter for food and stuff like that was tough and she said in interviews that that was kind of like it really toughened her up because she was 12 years old oh my god so rough Yoko Ono has observed firsthand so much of the 20th century I know just like the Beatles World War 2 like the bombing of Japan like Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So then she became an artist and um, she got married. She's been married three times. um, And from one of the marriages, actually, from her first marriage, I think, she had a daughter called Kyoko, who actually, um, there was a whole kind of custody dispute and the father took her away for a while and basically kidnapped her. 
Fuck. Yeah, like Kyoko has had a hard time. So the father sort of kidnapped Kyoko and didn't allow her to see her for years and years and years, which was obviously really stressful and horrible for, for Yoko. And she was, you know, she was becoming an artist and she met John Lennon. Obviously. Yeah, how did they yeah. meet? Like, how did they just run into each other? So there are two versions of events. The first version is that he came to one of her art shows and it was all sort of like conceptual, uh, abstract stuff. And there was like a ladder in the middle of the room and you walk up the ladder and then you look through, I don't know, like a telescope or something and you see the word yes on the wall or maybe on the ceiling or something. And the idea there is that, like, you know, he saw that and was like, oh, it's so positive. No, none of the art these days is positive. I really like that. Mm. And sort of, like, got talking to her, developed a relationship with her. The other version of events is that she asked Paul McCartney, who she knew somehow, for a favour, and he directed her to John Lennon, and that's how they met. So it's kind of weird. There's just two completely Ooh, I like valid that, versions I think, I think everybody around. should have, like, two stories and make people guess. Most couples do, though, Right. Like, if you ask any couple how they get together, it's like, the girl will start and the guy will be like, and there was also that time in 2012. It's like, oh yeah, and 2012. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were at the same party, but we didn't meet, but we kind of met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I saw you. I definitely saw you. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a weird energy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> talking to some other girl. So I'll never who, forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> whose version of the story is whose? Like, what does Yoko say and what does Paul say? Yeah, but I bet they don't talk about it because they're too cool. I'm actually not sure. I just found two different versions of, of the story sort of like in various different places, but I'm not sure who, which is attributed to, to who. Uh, but basically, yeah, John Lennon was already married. He had a son. He had a wife called Cynthia. Wasn't he very abusive to his wife as well? And he like bounced like the day after she gave birth and went on tour or something. And oh, he I'm hit not her sure and about stuff. that. He, um... I've heard some very dodgy things about John Lennon. I think he might be the worst one. Right. Oh yeah, God. everyone really loves him and my dad's always like, he was a shit. I don't know why people like him. Yeah. Well, he met Yoko and sort of like started developing a friendship with her and she would ask him for help on her arty stuff and like, I don't know, maybe he was like helping finance it or something. Yeah, we've all um, been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then eventually he apparently like wasn't in love with his wife anymore and he invited Yoko over uh, one day and the wife walked in in the morning and Yoko was there in a dressing gown. <gasps> Just Netflix like, and chill. Coffee. Oh, and apparently they were just like, hello. But basically then, yeah, so he left his wife and his five-year-old boy, Julian, started a relationship with Yoko. And, you know, they eventually got married. I think they split up for a bit and he was like going to buy a house with his manager or something and then decided not to because Yoko was like, no, no, we're going to do this again. I heard a story about Yoko that she had a Japanese female friend that when she knew her and John were breaking up, she sort of said to her friend, like, can you please sleep with John because I kind of want to keep him in keep him on our side I am going to get back to him but could you like keep the seat warm really (laughs) yeah on behalf of like Japan (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I remember seeing that on documentary on channel 4 once so who knows like what yeah basically from the sounds of it obviously none of this is like cemented fact because kind of all of it is like hearsay and what I found on the internet and so many people like millions of people have poured over this relationship from so many different perspectives depending on how they feel about Yoko and the Beatles so there is no accurate reading is there only only those two people know and one of them is dead yeah but from the sounds of it they fell deeply in love they had a really creative relationship where they bounced off each other and they got what each other was saying and they were into the same things they're both into like kind of taking drugs and I was literally about to say that sounds like two people on the same drugs yeah Yeah. (laughs) not like and the drug is art and creative yeah. yeah, no, it sounds like there was a bit of that for sure. Um, they had a son called Sean. And then basically she became more and more involved with the Beatles uh, because he wanted her to. He enjoyed collaborating with her and he sort of brought her into the fold and would insist that she came into the studio recordings. At one point she was ill or something, I think. And he had a bed brought into the studio for her to lie in the bed. Mm. And the other Beatles hated it well yeah you would yeah there's your bloody girlfriend in a bed over there yeah and also because she was like trying to contribute to like the songwriting and everything and they were like no hang on it's us four that's a bit strange so she came in and kind of like stirred things up and there was a bit of tension around it but to say that she created the tension that like led to the Beatles breaking up is like I don't think true because from what I've read there was already actually loads of tension within the Beatles anyway because you've got John Lennon and Paul McCartney both songwriters both have quite different kind of ways of writing songs yeah especially since they were together for what like 10 years or something since they were yeah, teenagers yeah. yeah exactly it's gonna start going 
the re- yeah, the and they're the going to want to start going in different directions. And then you've got George Harrison, who actually is like an aspiring songwriter and didn't really get a chance in the early days to contribute very much to the band. He was kind of like, oh, there's John and Paul, and then you know, on the side, there's like Ringo and George, but. But George Harrison like definitely had his own things that he wanted to do. Um, and it sounds like they all kind of had different ideas slightly and it just escalated a bit. And then obviously like they spent so much time together because they were writing together and they were touring and everything. Also that monumental, they were the first people to have like a global yeah, so mania much, of So fame, much pressure, you know? yeah, so, much, so pressure. much pressure. And so like they must have been off their tits the whole time to be able to cope with that. Like, they were the first people, really, to have that in, like, modern Yeah, completely. And it very much seems that, like, if you sort of, like, were in that time and you grew up with the Beatles and you grew up in this amazing phenomenon whereby these boys are, like... And all those movies, they're so charming with each other and they're so charismatic and they're so much fun to watch them not just be musicians but be men together. Yeah. It's, like, it's the the big bromance of the 20th century, isn't it? So I think it's way more preferable for people to believe that a woman an outside force that is female ruined the whole thing like Medusa than to be like these men just grew up and um, outgrew each other creatively and stopped working together Yeah, Yeah, because like their whole thing as like a band was always just like first they were like this pop band and then they turned it all on their head they did the India thing they did Sgt. Pepper they like blew up their own fan base like every four years basically and like and then they joined they blew it up again with Yoko and like but but permanently do you know what I mean yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but basically like and there was all this kind of financial stuff happening where they made Apple Core company yeah. and um, to kind of put their money into and then they turned it into a bit of a label but that was really complicated with like kind of no one quite knew how to manage it and as well shortly before they broke up their manager Brian Epstein died and so that kind of like anchor point wasn't there anymore um, and basically yeah it sounds like Yoko came in and kind of exacerbated tensions which were there already um, and it all fell apart but even Paul McCartney there's an amazing recording of him um, at Twickenham Studios and he's talking about Yoko and he's talking about the band it's kind of just before they broke up I think and he's saying like oh they're going to be laughing about this in 50 years it's going to look ridiculous isn't it you know oh the band broke up because Yoko sat on an amp <laughs> <laughs> the best phrasing ever that's so funny um, so but yeah how long so the Beatles broke up and then how long was she with John before he died so he died in 1980 and they were actually living in the US at the time because part of the aftermath of all of this like tension and the breakup and everything was that Yoko received so much racist abuse in the UK like from the press and from like I don't know people on the street or whatever absolutely tons which must have been horrible because you know it was the 70s like England wasn't the probably the nicest place to be a Japanese woman in the 70s Mm. it was probably nowhere nice to be a Japanese woman in the western world like post-war like oh yeah totally anti-Japanese hostility for a really long time yeah totally but like it sounds like it was deeply deeply unpleasant so they went to America to kind of escape some of it. Um, and obviously John got murdered. And Yoko still lives in the apartment block. Wow. Where, wow. Which he got murdered outside of. Which Fuck is me. kind of crazy. And there's kind of like, there's lots of things that she's done since that people are like, oh, Yoko. So, for example, John's son Julian from his first marriage mm-hmm. didn't inherit much at all, I don't think, of his father's estate when he died. And he's like talk to the media quite freely about this and being like it's not fair it's not okay and he like bought back some letters that John had written at an auction because Yoko wouldn't give them to him and I think there's been a bit of a sort of like oh Yoko's this evil stepmother that came in and like pushed Julian away from his dad and left Julian with nothing which is like to some extent you can sort of see how that story makes sense but also it's like well no that's how relationships work sometimes they don't work sometimes there are kids involved and it gets messy but like to say that it's that that was her intention is not at all fair. Also, let's face it, she could be an evil bitch or she could be totally totally. innocent. But I just think like, even when you've got sort of things that she's done that you're like, oh, that's not great. It's like, okay, well, she doesn't have to be perfect in order for us to be like, oh, she didn't break up the Beatles. Oh, no, I don't think she broke them up, no. Yeah, so I don't know. I think, you know, her artwork is really cool as well. It's really feminist. Like, um, it's really forward thinking. She has a thing where she just yells. She does like a sort of primal scream, like, (laughs) <laughs> and like I just I quite like no, her no I dig Yoko definitely I definitely think you can see for John like meeting her in the 70s or whatever when like art is, gets so cynical because like it's you know post Vietnam War everyone's like making like really long movies about male depression kind of thing and then to meet Yoko who's like her art is very positive like she she very much like 
like war is over that kind of like yeah and staying yeah. in bed for peace and like the whole yes up the ladder thing she's like this like person who's just like in a very artistic like, it's really hard to find someone who's artistic and a positive thinker yeah, yeah because that's pe- true people who are artistic and smart by nature tend to think very cynically about the world yeah and it's always like a comment on something and, yeah. Yeah. yeah which I'm sure hers is as well but I just mean maybe it's a bit more I didn't because I don't know much about her her art at all yeah so. well I still feel like there's a lot more to get into and I'm definitely going to try and like find a documentary or maybe like a you know, biography yeah. about her or something. But for now, I'm still, like, she okay. Still lives in New York and creates art. That's nice. Yeah, she's 85. Yeah. No, she's still going. She's going strong, and like, good on her. And you also feel that like. If you compare her to someone like Paul McCartney, you very much feel like Paul McCartney has built an ivory tower for himself, and yes. he's like, I am Sir Paul McCartney. I like, I'm a respectable like English king of pop culture. Whereas I feel like. Yoko has moved with the times. Yeah, like, yeah, completely. She's, she's incredibly chic. She makes work all the time. She doesn't just sort of like bring out a single Sing every out 10 years. Dude. Yeah, and yeah, realistically, exactly. she probably could have sat back and been like, okay, well, you know, I'm assuming she inherited some money after John yeah, Lennon died. Yeah, she could have sat back and been like, fine, well, I'm just going to build myself a mansion. and Totally. You, you get the feeling to her that like Paul McCartney, about 25 years ago, decided that he was done. That he, like, the whatever Paul McCartney yeah. is is now cast in stone. But like Yoko Ono is like a constant work in progress. Yeah. She's like, what am doing this year do you know what I mean like yeah. that's, what, that's the feeling I get from her final, yeah. final pro question. Yoko this podcast pro yeah. Yoko podcast final question very quickly did she ever find a new partner oh oh I don't know actually let me have a quick look on her Wikipedia Yoko Ono strikes me as somebody who like has lived with the same woman for 15 years yes. but has never publicly come out yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean but the like Cliff Richard of yeah. women <laughs> Like she's seen like in a farmer's market with the same woman all the time. Yeah, we don't yeah, know yeah. that woman's name, no, but they're uh, never seen without each other. You'll never know. <laughs> so she never married again, uh, but I can't find any evidence of her having a boyfriend either. Oh, oh no. I, quite, I quite like That's that That's not though. true. She was in a relationship with someone called Samuel Havatoy um, until 2004. Hmm. I don't know who that person is, but they sound young and hot. He is a 65-year-old Hungarian painter. Cool. <laughs> I was right. (laughs) You go get that Hungarian dick. Yeah, you deserve it, man. You exploded pop culture. And now it's time for our only semi-new, semi-regular segment, Women with Dough. Women with Dough, 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 Dough. That's me doing our own jingle there. Uh, This is our financial segment where every so often we tackle a monetary issue that might be affecting you. I say we. Of course, it's never us, is it? It's uh, it's our resident expert, Richard and you. Oh, I think Richard's just in the loo's right now, isn't he? Did you? I saw him on the way in. No, he's not actually in the loo, but he's he's very close. He's actually... um, running a fairly lucrative World Cup betting pool in the underground network of Russia. Oh, oh. I knew it was one or the other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He was fine. either having a shit or yeah, or running an underground know. betting. Yeah, I mean, system. I think he's on some sort of hit list somewhere, but he's making an absolute fortune. So uh, Good for him, man. Yeah, exactly. Has Just, he told you who the winner's going to be yet that we can maybe put, put um, two pounds on? Or? He has, and I have put a pound on it. Right, well, I hope you share your winnings. Yeah, so luckily he did manage to send me this week's advice before he left, which is always very handy with that, isn't he? He's, I mean, one thing about Richard Danu is he's always bang on time with his emails. He is. He delivers, man. God, he's probably got a Blackberry. Yeah, so this week's lesson, pensions, fact or fiction? I've never seen a pension. Not alive in the wild. No. It's a bit like, you know... How in the old days they used to have like pelts of fur mm. and like fox fur and stuff to yes. show their wealth. Yes. Is it like that? It's like that, yes. Yeah. Um, what happens is basically um, somebody takes a portion of the salary that you've earned yeah. that month um, and then they put it in a pot that you will probably forget about because these days you're only in a job for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're supposed to add the same amount in, but obviously lots of these companies that you're working for at the moment won't exist when you're 65. Uh, so basically... They used to be fact, now they're fiction. Right. So that sounds great in theory. Mm. Um, I need the money in my account Mm. to live now, today. Yes. But I'm also conscious of having to live in 60 years also. Well, what I would suggest, Caroline, is using that extra money 
that you are going to get week month to month instead of putting it in the pot. Yeah. To smoke and drink a lot more. Yes. Oh, short in your life expectancy. Yeah, time your death yes. for exactly 65. I just get the feeling that in the future, no one's going to let anyone die of natural causes. That like, is, we're just going to yeah. be kept alive until our, like, over mm. 100. I think plus 100 for everyone of our generation. Yeah, exactly. But we'll all be fucking destitute. So, yeah, you know, we'll all be sort of living together in communes, I think. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, I don't know how much uh, pensions are worth it anymore. Uh, sorry, Richard and you doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, Richard and you doesn't need a pension because he's so filthy rich that it's just like, it just multiplies. His pension is an island he bought and forgot about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, essentially, if you can, you know, buy some property instead. But I think the last person to do that's done that now. Oh. Yeah, I think the properties all died out along. Are with, they all uh, gone now? Pensions. I think that's all gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh. By law, of course, you do have to have a pension now if you work in a company of like over twenty people or something, because everyone's shiting themselves that uh, nobody's going to have a pension when we grow old. But also, like you say, who's going to remember the two month pension? Like, I recently was in a job for two months where I had to have a pension, and then I was like, um, "Can you just pay me that pension now?" Because I don't know oh, how much. Did you- they? Yeah. Cause what? I was like, because I was like, I don't know how much use that 250 quid is going to be to me when I'm 65, or let's face it, retirement age by the time we're old, 80. You can do that. You can just be like, can I have that, please? You can do, yeah. <gasps> I think just, if it's... You've just ascended to Richard Daniel status in terms of financial wisdom. Well, obviously I am closest to him, as you, yes, as no. you know. Um, I think some companies do, some companies don't, or it depends how long you've been there. Uh, I am genuinely terrified, lads. I'm so scared of growing old and having no money. But you won't. It'll be fine. Will it? Will Let, it be fine? Because I feel like we're telling each other about a lot on. of things. Let's not move on. Let's fix pensions today. I want it fixed now, lads. <laughs> Let's come up with a thing. Email Richard Danu back and be like, you need to fix this. Yeah. Maybe he can start a pension company where we put our pensions in. Yeah. He puts his pension in and yeah. we share his pension. Yeah, right. Share Isn't that just like island. insurance, though? Didn't you just no? Like, this, is, this is insurance. different. This is just Richard Danu giving us his money oh, because we asked him to. Oh, okay, that seems fine. Well, of course, he is Richard Danu and Richard Dan I. This is a comedy segment, but my heart is genuinely racing about how old and poor I'm going to be. Well, we'll be old and poor together. We'll just all move in together. The commune idea. How do we feel about that? Yeah, None of us will have periods by then, so we'll kind of cut down the in- infighting a lot. That's true. Mm. Yeah. I feel good about that. And the men will all be dead. That's because true. Because they die first. It'll be like a nice sort of ladies' commune. It'll yeah. like Hampstead Ladies' Pond. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A lot of pubic hair. Caroline, after that last segment on pensions, you are on the floor quivering. You don't look like you're really having a good time at all. Are yeah. you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I I am having a small panic attack oh, because God. we just talked about how I'm not going to have any money when I'm older and I'm just going to be a woman on the street with my dog who's somehow still alive. <laughs> just, <laughs> just quivering and, and, and oh my God, I'm going to have to work at a supermarket. Not, not even at a checkout, just like manning the tills, just being like, like punching in the number, being like, oh, you got that wrong. It's fine, I'll be there too. Say I know, Hannah. I'll be there. All right, so lads, what this is about is I suffer from panic attacks. Do either of you suffer from panic attacks? I don't think I've ever had a panic attack. I've right. felt panicked, for sure. Yeah. I've felt very panicky. But I don't think I've ever had a panic attack where like, I feel like I can't breathe and I can't sort of think straight. Right. I've never had a full-blown panic attack. But um, a few years ago, I went a bit mad for a while. Um, and I could definitely feel the panic attack starting to grip me, but it never went into sort of full flow, if yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I went up... There was some stuff going on and I had a four hour train back from Edinburgh from the Fringe. I'd also been drinking a lot of the Fringe, mm. which compounds it. And that four hour train journey was the worst four hours of my life. I felt like I was on the edge of not being able to breathe for four hours. Oh, oh God. Like, I had to, just like a real shortness of breath kind of thing. Real shortness of breath. Really couldn't get like trying to talk to the lady next to me just to distract me. And bless her, she was quite nice, but she obviously had no idea what was going on. So she was kind of like, okay, yeah, it's nice to chat. But now like, shut up. Oh, well, like the thing with like panic attacks, they're really, really common and they're on the rise. I think most, like a lot of people have experienced them. I first got mine when I was 17 
and uh, I was feeling a bit sick in school and I was like oh god like not feeling so well gonna just like jump on a bus home at like two o'clock or something like that and then I got to the bus station and then I suddenly realised I couldn't breathe and that like and then because it never happened to me before because I couldn't breathe I just got really really scared and then I was just sort of like quivering in a little ball in the oh. bus station for like ages and like I saw my I saw several buses like come and go and be like nope can't get on that just in the ball now I live in this ball God. made of my own flesh and um and what and one of the worst things about it for me and I think it is for most people is that first of all you're scared that you're dying or something yeah, yeah, yeah. but then you you realize you're so scared but you don't know what you're scared of and uh the more time you spend in this state, the more ridiculous you feel for being in that state. Yeah. And you actually start like shouting at yourself in your head for being so ridiculous. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, Even and then, though it's very out of your control, you know? Yeah, yeah. it totally is. And uh, and then um, I, I sort of like talked to someone a few days later about it and I realised that there actually had been a trigger for it, which is that I'd had a, an argument with my um, the principal of my school who told me that I had cheated on a test when I had not cheated on a test. Oh, Because God, I did really well yeah, on the test and, really and that was something I wasn't supposed oh, to do. No. Yeah, so it was really, really stressful. And um, it's it, not something I like suffer with all the time, but it's like if I'm having a stressful period of my life, sometimes they will just flare up out of nowhere. Like every every maybe two or three years, I'll have two or three in a row, like very close together. And it's like, oh, I'm having one of those. Yeah. And I think that's really, really common. So yeah, decided to have a little look into it. After no, definitely. Burying my soul to our thousands of listeners. Please be kind. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I think uh, having suffered uh, from... I would say on the verge of panic attacks a few times. Half the fear is not knowing what's happening. And then almost when I knew what was happening, it's still hell on earth, but you almost can sort of get a grip on it a bit before it gets a total grip on you. Sometimes, yeah. not everybody, I'm not saying Sometimes that. Sometimes you can. But just yeah. like knowing what's happening rather than like, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack, I'm going to die. Rather than like, you are, you're having yeah. a panic attack or like you're about to have a panic attack. So Sometimes can like this is re- this is actually really useful advice. So so first of all, the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack. Sometimes people use these things interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, is so so an anxiety attack is say say you're walking home alone at night and you think that somebody's behind you and you feel like steps behind you and you're you're just getting a little bit panicky and you're sort of like clutching for your keys or whatever. Yeah. And you've perceived a threat and you know what that threat is and your anxiety is building around the threat and you can picture yourself like literally being murdered by this person and it's all just sweat and sweat and sweat until you get home. And even when you get home, you can still sort of feel your heart pounding. Yeah. Yeah. That's an anxiety attack. I mean, there's a lot of discussion around this, but that's an anxiety attack because you perceive a threat, you know what that threat is. Ah, right. Your mind, like... And follows all of that stuff to the natural it's conclusion. It's so tangible. Yeah, and then your 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 fear is released in stages. It starts small, it gets big, it gets bigger, and then you're sort of left with the adrenaline after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A panic attack is uh, different because you don't usually know what's causing it when it happens, and it suddenly yeah. just hits you, and you there, it doesn't feel like stages. Generally, it feels like oh, I'm just being hit with all this stuff at once, and I don't know where it came from. Yeah, and that's and for lots of people, that's what makes it so scary. Because even though they aren't fatal in themselves, even though you're definitely not having a heart attack, people then they go out of their way to avoid the places and the situations that made the panic attack happen. Mm. Yeah. So then you, that's how people generally become agoraphobes. It's not because they're afraid of outside; it's because they're afraid of panic attacks. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, because it's your body kind of trying to get rid of stress that you consciously don't know you have. Yeah, so it'll happen because you're on, on some level you will perceive a threat, right? Right. And um, and you may not, uh, you know, we all know we only use a certain percentage of our brains and there's yeah. lots of stuff happening that we don't even know about. And sometimes those stress receptors can be like more vulnerable if you're like been drinking a lot, full of caffeine, lots of life changes, all this stuff, not yeah. enough sleep, overtiredness is a huge one. And then you'll yeah, you'll you'll perceive some threat without even realizing you're perceiving it, and then your brain will engage your fight or flight response, um, which is the response that has been built into you, evolutionary speaking. Um, you know, to flee a lion if you're in a cave. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, flee, yeah. flee, 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 yeah. survive, survive, survive. And so all these things are happening to your body. So your breath sort of intakes or whatever because of all this adrenaline. Yeah. And then because you're taking so much breath, all the CO2 is going into your blood and then your bloodstream, your heart rate goes up as well. So all oh. the, it's like this domino effect of all these things that are happening yeah. to you. Mm. And, all, and like it can be really, really hard to get out of because it's like, it's like a physical thing that's happening because of an emotional state. Yeah. And it's really difficult. So we know what a panic attack is, but like how, how do we stop having that 
uh, obviously, like everyone's heard about breathing and meditation exercises, and mm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, meditation isn't isn't good. I mean, it is good. It's not. It's not about like, oh, I'm putting aside five minutes every day for my Headspace app, and then maybe something will happen. It's more like the long term effects of that is that you learn to compartmentalize your thoughts in a better way. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like that five minutes of the day. It isn't actually about those five minutes in, when you're when you're experiencing them. It's the sort of training your brain to like compartmentalize. Yeah. On an ongoing basis. So yeah, meditation, breathing exercises, all that. You know, everyone's seen those lovely gifts on Twitter that's sort of like, oh, it's like a it's like a box boxes coming out, boxes going in, like breathe yeah, in, yeah. breathe out. They're lovely. Um one actually thing I heard on the debrief podcast, which is now Nobody Panic, is counting is really good. So like counting to ten. Nope, counting things in the room. Oh, so, if I like count as many like r- like small red blinking dots I can see in this room, <laughs> it's just like one, two, three, four, five, six. It's like literally having something very simple and tangible and a goal to focus on in the yeah. short term. And that can like really help you level all the way down. So it's kind of just like a distraction technique. Yeah, exactly. Distraction techniques. And I think just counting is a is a good one to use. Yeah. I used to, I guess this is a distraction technique, uh, humming used to calm me down. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, Which yeah. Is weird. And I guess that has a sort of physical thing as well because it's like a low sort of like rhythmic thing in your chest And as also well. you breathe out, hang on. Mm. Yeah, you breathe out when you hum. Mm. Yeah, I guess you do, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah so be, it is yeah. like a breathing exercise, really. Yeah. Just a musical one. Yeah, it's weird, though, because I didn't do that on... I wasn't like, oh, hum, you'll distract yourself. It's yeah. sort of like I just started doing it whenever I was having a really panicky sort of feeling. Yeah. So almost like you, my body sort of was like, oh, do this. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, well, if you can make me do that, maybe not ha- make me have the first thing. <laughs> I know it's it's weird, isn't it? It's this whole thing of having to trick your own body to respond properly. Yeah, yeah. But I was feeling like I was having a shitty time, and I, I um, what's great if you know, obviously it's great to have therapy, but not everybody can afford therapy. Yeah. Um, but what's really good for me in particular is that I've got lots of friends who've had loads of expensive therapy, and it's kind of like it's like herd vaccination, sort of like yes. they just sort of pass on the the immunity to yeah, you. Yeah. So I said to my friend who has a lot of therapy. And she said, like, the reason that you have this stress and panic response to something is because we've evolved to have a panic response because stressful things are happening. Mm. And in that in that case, you have to sort of look inward. And even and even if things that don't seem stressful are happening, you have to be like, am I being nice to myself? Like, is this me just saying, like, I need a pat on the head. I need to be hugged. I need to be listened to. I need to, like, work less hard or whatever. It's like, literally have to go to that internal deep dive or whatever. About, yeah how you really are feeling about things which is why therapy is so useful yeah like for me my book has just come out it's been out for like a month now and it's going going really really well and I've had a really and I've had a really really great time but sometimes I'll just be seized by this fear that not only does like a one specific person I know who you know I respect doesn't like it but their entire friend group also hates it and they laugh about me all the time and then I'll just yeah. be like in fucking Sainsbury's just like quivering because I, I, this whole imagined conversation that didn't exist has happened in my head. Yeah. yeah. Also, you've gone through some very traumatic things <laughs> that which can also trigger. Yeah. These feelings. Not that I'm giving you a therapy session right now. No, yeah, it's <laughs> nice, man. I mean, what else do we do this for? We don't get paid to do this. Yeah. So <laughs> we might as well fucking use it as therapy. Sorry, this hasn't been much of a joke-filled segment, but I hope uh, some of you have found this more useful and enlightening. Yeah. All the you. best comedies have some serious moments. <laughs> And they always come from me. Yeah. I'm a fucking drag. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Alex, you've got a chip in your arm and you won't stop fucking things. Are you my dog? Ruff! Arf! Horny fucking dog! That's me! Anyway. Uh, so, Alex Haddo, the sex dog. The sex dog. Uh, no, in fact, I don't have a chip in my arm anymore, Caroline. Oh. Um, that's why I've got this sort of captain's arm band bandage yeah, on. you have a very yes. attractive, dramatic-looking bandage. It looks very dramatic, but I actually kind of like it. I might wear it like Nelly wore that plaster from Oh, now yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, and it's because I had my contraceptive implant taken out this week. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you also have one, Caroline. I do. So I can assure you it's I hate it. not that bad. It is that bad because getting it in... Got, listeners, I was having some problems with my contraceptive choices. Um, I was on various pills. None of them worked for me or whatever. Alex Haddo, who was sitting across from me at the time... <laughs> She was like, mate, the implant, everyone cool is on it. I have dyed hair. Like, we're all <laughs> doing it. And I was like, is it not horrible getting put in because I hate needles? And she was like, it's fine. I went in, the most grisly experience of my life. I've genuinely oh, had two no. now, and so is my best mate. And we were in and out within three minutes. And it was, there was, it was pain-free. I was there for 45 minutes. That is insane. Um, What's wrong ex- with your arm? I mean, yeah, maybe it's my arm. But it was like, first of all, she gave me this really, really long talk about how I should be on the coil. And I was like, no, I have a tiny the vagina. The coil is no. horrendous. I've no. just had that fitted and I had to leave. Yeah, I've heard too oh. many sob stories about the coil. So I was like, no, something else. And then she was building up to it for ages. And then she, I had to have three things of anesthetic in my arm. Really? And then she like cut my arm open. And was, but did you look at it? I didn't. I didn't look at it. I looked at Gavin, but he oh, his good. face, his like pupils <laughs> were enlarging rapidly. <laughs> did he go very pale and have he to put his really head between did. his knees? He really, really did. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm not the most squeamish person, but I am a wimp, so I just getting it in was fine. But I had it out this week, and it takes a little bit longer, but you can't feel anything. You can yeah. feel pressure, but you can't feel. That's what, what they always doing. say. And it's yeah. not true. You might feel a little tug. But a yeah. little push. <laughs> the word tug. <laughs> but um, also I panicked and she put the numb stuff in and then she like patted my arm and I was like, I can still feel it. And she was like, yes, it's only Aww. been three seconds. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fine. And I couldn't look. And uh, then she showed me it unprompted. She was like, Aww. there it is. And it was like covered in my blood and stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. But it was honestly the tiny, teeny, tiniest thing in the world. Yeah. It was so tiny. I mean, you, you can feel it in your arm when you get it, ladies. And that's the worst know. thing about it, actually. Yeah. Is the fact that you can feel it in your arm. And it reminds me of that scene in The Mummy when the scarab goes under that oh. guy's skin oh. and, like, crawls up. Every time I brush against it in the shower or I get a massage and someone touches it, I want to vomit. Yeah, I, I know think you, mean. you made me, well, I probably asked you if I could feel your one in your arm once. And ever since then, I'm just like, I couldn't. I couldn't do yeah. that. Because yeah, it's I just like to freak men out by making them feel it. Yeah, it just but then oh, telling them that they can shag me and not get yeah. me pregnant. So, <laughs> to be honest, I would get mine taken out tomorrow if I wasn't afraid. Like I'm gonna have to get oh. taken out eventually anyway. Honestly, but. mate, it wasn't that bad. But they last for ages, don't they? Like five years or something. Three, yeah, they can last five years now. Yeah, three years or five years. Yeah, um, but it's smaller than a matchstick, like a small matchstick. So I thought for my segment, I was like, how the fuck does this teeny tiny bit of like jazzy plastic essentially? Stop you from getting pregnant. How does that have... Firstly, these are my questions. How does that have hormone in it? Yeah. Mm. And, and that, at such a potency that you will not get you pregnant not for get three pregnant. years. Yeah, it's, it's like 99.9% yeah. effective, which I means it's 100, it, but they can't say it. No, I always just imagine it like leaking tiny, tiny drops of yeah. like kryptonite into my blood and then my blood goes green. But yeah. But there's surely as well in that tiny, tiny little pill-shaped thing, there's some kind of mechanic that knows to release... Is there not? To re- does well, it release it monthly or does it just release it all the time? No, it's just all the time. And I was it was really difficult to find this out. This is why, you know, there's a massive, there's a bigger debate here about women and contraception. But it was so difficult to find out how it worked. Everything was telling you, it's a good thing to be on. You should mm, be on it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's so good. Yada, yada, yada. This is what it does. And I was like, yes, but how 
does it do it? And it was just, it was so difficult. I ended up like texting my ex-boyfriend's sister, who works in um, like pharmacology. Is that oh, not just for the chat. Yeah, yeah not just for the <laughs> chat. Um, I asked my friend who I haven't spoken to in a couple of years, I used to go to university with, who was actually really helpful. Because um, I was like, firstly, how does it work? Secondly, how do we create artificial hormones? Yes, good question. Yeah. Something that our body creates so naturally and is so nuanced and so strange and there's a different hormone for everything how do we create them and it, it turns out i'm going to send, say this in extremely layman's terms we can create hormones completely artificially but they don't like to use the word natural or artificial it's basically like we can replicate what is in our bodies via biochemistry in a lab you do also have hormones that are grown in like yeast and stuff like that it's so complex i can't even Ooh. tell you but what happens is the implant is only progesterone which is i don't know why women would be on something with estrogen in it anyway why would you give yourself an added hormone that you don't need when progesterone can stop you getting pregnant i don't i'm i'm not saying you shouldn't be i'm saying i'm genuinely asking yeah. um, what i, I think didn't what know. that is what i've heard before and i don't this is something i heard in secondary school of somebody like in the bathroom yeah so like, i'm not sure if it's true but i always thought that it was like the whole point of the estrogen thing was that it tricks your body into thinking that it's already pregnant but that's what progesterone does but most pills are estrogen most like the pill yeah. is estrogen which is much more like mood swings big moods, yeah. soreness like mm. so many side effects or you get the combined pill which a lot of them are which is progesterone and estrogen or you can get the mini pill or the implant or the coil which is like miles lower hormonal yeah. on the hormone scale and does the exact same job oh t- it's so weird when i um went off the pill to go on the implant um like there, there are real positives to being on the implant and that that is the big one is the hormone yeah. thing um where like i realized that i had been on some form of the pill on and off for 10 years yeah and that I I felt like much calmer. I mm. ate a little bit less. I like my boobs. Like st- I still have big boobs, but like they went down a little bit. I was like, oh my god! I actually don't know what my real personality is because I've been on like behavior drugs for the yeah. last ten years. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah, and I was saying that the reason I got my implant out was um, I know this is a very personal thing, but I felt like my sex drive was lower. I mean, oh. it was still not low, but I just didn't feel like it was. <laughs> didn't feel it like was it was that of a normal person now. Yeah. <laughs> But do you know what I mean? And it's it's almost like you're just turning the volume down on women by putting yeah, putting them on yeah. these drugs for like years on end. And I'm you know I'm not in a relationship. I was like, hang on, I need to get this out. And men never have to put artificial hormones in their body ever, yeah. unless they're ill or something like that. But like day to day. So yeah, we we create this artificial hormone and it it gets put into this plastic, which kind of essentially effuses throughout your body for three years via osmosis because it's extremely cleverly designed Mm. that is the simplest way I can put it I was still after about four hours of researching today I was still quite flummoxed but that is the (laughs) simplest way I can put it we create the hormone artificially it tricks our body into thinking we're pregnant and it it sort of is constantly diffusing from this tiny little piece of plastic yeah because it's in such a high concentration and it's um the one we create is called etonogestrel etonogestrel Which is I kind of like the a French accent, like it on Yeah, <laughs> um, it and it works just like the body's natural progesterone to inhibit ovulation. That's so strange that you could even like isolate. I don't know, it, like basic science kind of astounds me. Yeah, but the fact that you could isolate the hormone that's causing one particular thing, and then replicate it. Like, what materials do you use to replicate a hormone? Like, what's a hormone even yeah. made of? I'm sure. I'm sure that yeah question is answered somewhere on the internet. But yeah, well, I have to say thank you to my friend Dave Gerschlick who helped me out a lot with this today. Who's a scientist in Washington? Ooh, Ooh fancy scientist friend. Um, Get you. Yeah, and he was saying um, he's saying there's basically two types of hormones. Uh, I'm not going to go into the science of it, but one of them, like one of them, is called peptide hormones, and they are um, synthesized by bacteria or yeast or purified, i.e., oxytocin. The cuddle hormone. So, like, they take... The cuddle hormone! Yeah, basically. Like, what, what you get after sex. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. It's the, well, spider, know well. the spider monkeying, what we call it. It's mm. when... Yeah. <laughs> but um, also, Pernica Sahai, very helpfully, uh, my friend's sister, said, uh, synthetic hormones are the same as the proteins that are generated by our body, but made synthetic synthetically in a laboratory. It means that the chemical processes are used to manufacture these proteins from, say, plant slash animal molecules to mimic the ones we make in our body. Synthetic doesn't mean it's artificial, it just means it's synesthetized from a molecule that could be natural. So it's still quite 
complex, but it's just like... Sounds like scientists sort of getting themselves tied up in a knot about that. It's not artificial. It's not artificial. I don't mind if it's artificial. That's (laughs) fine. So it's fantastic. I just kept getting images of like that ear growing on the mouse today for some reason. Oh, don't talk about the ear mouse. Yeah, but essentially, how bloody crazy is that? Yeah, it is weird. It's like, it does feel very Handmaid's Tale. It's like, we're all on drugs yeah. from when we're teenagers and we're yeah. encouraged everything in society encourages us to be on these mm. like this I mean this I remember actually Alex a conversation you and I had a few years ago when we were just being friends and yeah. uh, you were like dating someone and I said to you like oh you've been dating for a few months now are you going to go on the pill soon and you were like why would I do that yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's this thing where like you and I think about that all the time because like there's expectation that you're with someone for a while and then you'll just like free them from condoms. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'll make yeah. this decision. But like that's fucked up. Like yeah, why yeah. should you have to drug yourself in yeah, order exactly. to have sex? But yeah, it's like the, this assumption. And why am I I've been single for two years and I was like, hang on, why have I still got this fucking thing in my arm? Yeah. And yeah. The, she was reluctant to take it out as well. She was like, Oh, you know you don't need it out for another couple of years. I was like, Oh yeah, no, I just want it out. It's like they forget condoms exist. It's like I'm not yeah. an idiot. And then, but although the, I'm just going to end on a lighter note where um, she didn't really speak to me much throughout this whole thing. <laughs> she was so sickened by you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, then she, and then when I left, she was like, and um, do you want a big bag of condoms? You know, <laughs> just in case. And then I, and then I walked out and I went, oh, go on then. Wish me luck. She was Aww. like, good luck, dear. Oh, the thing is, though, if I, met, if I was a doctor or a nurse or whatever and I met you and you're like, you're a 10 out of 10 slammer. Oh, like, you've got lovely face and lovely hairs. <laughs> lovely little body on you. You're a great crack. I was like, there's no way she's not having sex. But you are, in fact, not having sex. <laughs> yeah, currently not having sex right now in this room. Well, sort of. Sort of. Well, we're nearly at the end of the podcast, but we just have time for a smart lesson. In a smart lesson, we try to become more like the versions of ourselves who we think we should be, and less like the real versions who spend a lot of time wondering how many packets of quavers is too many to eat in one day. It's 14. Is it? Is it 14? Okay. Or maybe that's why I threw up after 15 packets yesterday. Yeah, that, that might be it. Yeah, 14, 13, 14 is the max. Know, golden. Anyway, this week's smart lesson is on how to go on a group holiday. Um, if you've ever been on one before, then congratulations, guys. But did you survive? No. Oh, barely, lads. Mm. Oh, God. The group, I've gone on some truly fucking shite group holidays. Have you? Yeah. Um, well, I've been on some good ones as well. But my thing is that, like, I need quite a lot of time alone to be happy. Yeah. And, and um, group holidays, by virtue of being group holidays, it's, like, it's all about doing stuff together and what stresses me out more than anything is the thing where like eight people have to go to the restaurant and we're all like waiting and someone's always going back for something and like I find moving as a group oh, yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, making group decisions is like unbelievable. And sometimes even the decision just to go on a holiday is like yes. you kind of get swept up in it and by the time that you're like, actually, do you know what? I'm not sure if I can afford it. The centipede has already bitten off the stem and you're like rolling <laughs> yeah. down the hill and yeah. you know, it's too late. You're already rolling away from the house. And also the WhatsApp group gets out of control. Yes. Yes. Um, but actually something I'm doing, so I'm going on a group holiday in September, is um, I, I I felt, I know. I've, um, but I'm looking forward to it because it's, it's one with my oldest mates, but it's her Hindu and we're going to Spain. And um, so I'm actually going there two days beforehand <gasps> to spend time by myself in Spain because I've never done the oh, kind of spending time by myself in a lovely. different country. So I'm going to like spend like two days just going around, like going to tablet bars, reading my books, reading wine. I have an Airbnb in like a Spanish person's house. Oh. And it's going to be really nice. And then by the time the girls get there on Friday, I'm going to be like so like topped up on alone time. Yes. I'll be able to have like three brilliant days with my friends. Yeah, you'll want to speak to people. Yeah. Because yeah. when you are in like a confined space that you can't get out of, yeah. like it is actually really tricky to be like, I actually need some alone time now. And like, you know, the silkworms just kind of sitting up there, like wanting everyone to be involved and everything. And you're just like, no, please. The silkworm? Is that like your really bossy friend? Yeah. Also, the uh, group run to the supermarket for only ham and cheese. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Very, very hard. Because I love the... Everyone loves a holiday supermarket shop. Oh, Euro supermarket. Loads of, like, massive European supermarket. Loads of weird hams, mustards, dips. And if you're, like, with one or two other people, the most beautiful afternoon you'll have in your life. Oh, delightful. If with your... If you're with six people and you're all putting in 50 euros and then like someone's like, guys, there's seven different kinds of Nutella. Should we try them? Yeah. And you're no, like, Susan. no, no, I don't, Bethany. I do not want yeah. that many. Fuck off. Nutella with coconut. No, there's peach right here. Yeah. <laughs> we can all have peach. 
Yeah, and then like if you if anyone suggests like, oh guys, should we get like um some chicken breasts and maybe some potatoes for dinner? Everyone just looks at them like they just sort of said the Hail Mary backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, get out of here, Satan. You're like, um, oh, should we get some crisps? What will it be? Sour cream and chive, because that's all Europe stocks and you can't eat oh, anything yeah. else. Or like yeah. paprika, paprika, some weird stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're not allowed to have dinners. Like, just like, only like crisps, hams. Grazing, yeah. yeah. Crunchy Wine, sandwiches. Yeah. Boards. The thing that I find really difficult as well is that when you do engage with the local cloud people, like that there can be there's local always cloud like, people. Yeah. There's always one person that like is gonna get really larry, is gonna get too drunk and is gonna like, I don't know, throw up or something and like and like start a fight or whatever. Like it's quite hard to control. When you're on a big night out on a holiday, yeah. Like it's quite hard to kind of control everyone and make sure that everyone's like okay. Yeah. And it's also like somebody peels off and like Oh my god, this always happens. Somebody like decides to shag someone. Yeah. Yes. And, or like, they make new friends that don't yeah. speak the same language and you're like, Yeah, yeah, fine. it's great. And like I love I love being that person. I love that person who's like, guys, I met like five people who work on a yacht on the harbour. Like yeah, they want us to Oh, come there's on. always what yes. a laugh. Yeah. And like but then there's always like a schism in the group where it's like someone who like is probably either married or engaged or whatever and is never gonna have casual sex again and gets very like well, I'm just worried about her is all. I think we should just find her and like take her home and make yeah, sure yeah. she's yeah. having fun. And you're like, no, let Andrea live. She's man. having fun with those five men on the boat. Yeah. And it's like, well, we said this is a girl's holiday and she's like with that guy. Yeah, so. so what? It's like, mate, calm down. Yeah. Calm the hell down. I love group holidays. <laughs> Actually, yeah. now that I think about it, I also do too. Yeah. I think at least, even even if like you're all kind of starved by the end of it and covered in peach juice and like, you know, your seagulls have run off exhausted and you feel bad for them because animal abuse. Like, like it's still it's still kind of a nice story to tell everyone back at home or you know when you land on the empire state building when you kind of come down and you know there's a there's a parade waiting for you what? is this is this James and the Giant Peach are your group holidays you being James from James and the Giant Peach is we that were, not what you guys was no, that not what we were talking about no 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 we were talking about group holidays and you were describing the plot of James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl oh god Silkworms are bossy, though. They are the bossy pal. And cloud people do often get Larry on a night out, so... Yeah. Enjoy your group holidays this summer, lads. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you're the captain of your own hormones, master of your anxiety, and most definitely not breaking up the Beatles. Thanks, as always, to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for this sauna, sorry, studio that we're recording in. Until next week, goodbye. I'm melting. Please send hydration and a desk fan. That is a fan right there. Fuck it out. Enjoy a graphic rereading of James and the Giant Peach yeah. <laughs> told through the lens of a Hindu. <laughs> don't say we don't stretch the boundaries of this podcast, people. <laughs> we are like the Beatles in their hippie years of that. We are. This is our Sgt. Pepper episode. <laughs> Someone play I'm a George violin Harrison. very badly. You <laughs> are the George Harrison. Like, no, guys. <laughs> no, guys. Hey, guys. Look at this. <laughs> I've written a song. <laughs> Why do they sound It's called while my, while my Guitar Gently Weeps Because I'm in a big peach <laughs> It's weeping peach juice <laughs> That was really strange yeah, I liked it Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials You'll want for your next getaway Like European linen, premium luggage options Buttery soft Italian leather bags And so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.